What's up, everybody? We hope that you are feeling alive like Ms. Beats. I'm Josiah Keneally. And I'm Micah Keneally. And we are here in the studio today where we want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I just want to share, we have an awesome guest with us today. Today I'm wearing a necklace that actually says passion. And the moment our guest walked through the door, I knew this before, but he's not only passionate about this next generation, but he has a passion within himself that he is going to be able to share, hopefully, with you today. So, Josiah, who is our special guest? We're excited. We're joined today by our great friend, Jeff Dio. And Jeff is a worship leader, author, recording artist, songwriter, speaker, and actually a professor who can eat Mexican Mexican food for every meal. He teaches Yummy. at <laughs> <laughs> He teaches at North Central University, but he is known internationally as the former lead singer of the Grammy nominated Dove Award Dove Award winning group Sonic Flood and gives and lives to help people grow closer to God. Recently, he wrote his first book, Awakening Pure Worship, and also created the Pure Worship Podcast, also Pure Worship Institute, and there's a theme here about pure worship, but Jeff and I's path crossed at North Central University um, over the past decade, and Jeff travels extensively leading worship, speaking, coaching worship teams. He's married to his college sweetheart. Martha, since 1992, and together they have four beautiful kids, Roman, Evan, Channing, and Clara. Hey, guys, if you're watching. But the reason we're here today actually is because probably about six, seven years ago, I was in a chapel service setting at North Central University, and I caught a glimpse of, for sure, Jeff's heart, but I, I had seen his Bible opened, and I think it was to Isaiah, it was a part of the Bible that very few people read, and it was highlighted in depth. And I just have known Jeff for a while to know that his heart is all about friendship with God. He is a friend of God. And if there's one desire of my heart, Micah's heart, and our heart for listeners, is that it would be that we would draw closer to the heart of Christ. So, Jeff, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's great to be here with you guys. Thank you for having me. And Jeff, if you would start by, would you share a little bit of your story? A lot of people are probably like me when they were growing up. They got one of your CDs before MP3 or Spotify was a thing. But would you share about your story, how you got into music and recording arts or worship leading? Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy to think about that CDs... Even cassettes. I mean, like, we had cassettes for this music. I mean, I didn't go back as far as 8-track, but, I mean, it's cassette. I mean, oh, my word. You still had to rewind. <laughs> yes, you had to rewind, and you had to splice tape, and you had, if, it, if it came apart, you had to put it back. Anyways, yeah, so, uh, so much has changed. But the heart and even just the desire, the love to do music and use music to help me grow closer to God, man, it's been amazing. But but man, I mean, you, we can back up way up to like I was six years old and my mom put me in piano lessons, you know, that's <laughs> kind of where it all started. Every good mom uh, puts her kid in piano lessons. I guess it stuck for me, you know, and somewhere around 11, 12, started writing songs, just little songs, you know, and and then uh, in somewhere in middle school, I think I realized that if, if I would sit at the piano and play love songs, the girls would gather. You see what I'm saying? Amen. <laughs> and all the men said amen. Amen, amen. Right? For Martha, right? I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah, it was a pathway to Martha yes, right here trying go. to find her. I had like a needle in a haystack I was looking for. But, but you know, you just realize there's power in music, right? <laughs> but uh, just, just 
started, kept playing music, writing songs. Really in high school, I got a huge heart for my peers. Uh, I started seeing some brokenness. I started seeing, you know, people who I grew up with who were believers who kind of were drifting away from the Lord. And so I started writing music to try to help with that. So I remember sitting down with my Bible and writing songs out of Proverbs, you know, and different things and being inspired by, uh, by different scriptural concepts and stuff, just really with a desire to help people. I was a music fan. I mean, I Christian music fan, pop music fan, anything from Michael W. Smith to Phil Collins and Chicago and, I mean, stuff from back in the day, you know? So, uh, but love music and, and then, you know, uh, kept writing songs, went to uh, college for music, started at Wheaton College and then went to Anderson University, transferred there and graduated there. Actually met my amazing, wonderful wife at Anderson University, Martha. Uh, yes. We, uh, yeah, we went to school together there. And then, you know, when we graduated in uh, 92, a long time ago, uh, we got married. So it's been 27 amazing wow. years. That's I mean, fantastic. congratulations. Thanks. That's so fun to hear. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing. So, yeah. And then, of course, now, you know, well, after we graduated, then we actually did a missions trip to Singapore for about eight months uh, with Youth for Christ. And then we moved to Nashville. I mean, that's where you got to go, you know, at least back in the day where you got to go if you want to try to make it. There was no such thing as YouTube and, and all that where America's you kind of got talent. Right. Or, you know, like you, that was you had to move to Nashville or move to L.A., one of those two or New York or something. And so I, I went down there and Martha and I started from nothing and just you know, started trying to, quote, make it. I really felt like the Lord had called me to do music and, and to touch, uh, touch the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I had a big vision, big dream, and a little naive, no doubt. Uh, you know, I thought I'd move down there and six months in, I'd have a record <laughs> deal and, and I'd be on a tour bus and, you know, changing the world. But uh, five years later, somebody say patience, okay? Uh, that's a whole different story. But, you know, uh, the Lord started to open up some opportunities and, and uh, connected with some guys from a band called Zilch. Uh, from what a name! <laughs> right, I remember that name. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a label called Goatee Records, uh, owned by Toby Mac, and uh, then let's see, they asked me to be the lead singer, and then we started doing a worship song. This is kind of—I mean, this is kind of cool because when we were in this band Zilch, then we started doing one worship song at this at the end of the set. It was just kind of a pop, a fun Christian rock band. You know, uh, we weren't doing worship music, but at the end, we'd do one worship song. I'm telling you guys, the atmosphere would shift. We would do 10 songs of just kind of our fun pop music, very kind of horizontal experience. And then all of a sudden, we would do this one worship song, which none of us even really were, didn't grow up so much uh, with like a worshiping church. Uh, but man, I'm telling you, the atmosphere changed and people were starting to run down to the altar. It was like all of a sudden God released an anointing on this moment. Wow. It, it, was, it was truly amazing because I was discovering in that moment what my calling was. Because I thought, I knew it was music, but I thought all the while that it was performance, which I think it is for some people. But all of a sudden, God started breathing on this one moment where we started doing worship stuff. It was like, oh, I think this is what I was made for. Something's happening here. I love this. This is amazing. When I used to think of worship music as like second class, honestly, it's kind of weird to think about that because there was right. no Hillsong. There was no Bethel. There was no, none of that, no elevation. None of that stuff existed. Worship was not popular. Uh, there was no worship on the radio, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> but there was no, you know, there was no, there wouldn't have been worship in your Spotify playlist. Uh, because it wasn't something people really listened to. It was something thought that you do that at church, 
And so to, to be able to then make this transition and go, hey, I mean, that's a long story, but to actually, we decided, let's make a Zilch worship record. And Zilch worship record, we're like, this is, Zilch is not the right name for this. God started just breathing on this thing. And so we changed the name to Sonic Flood. And uh, people, you know, who are my age and maybe a little younger, um, but <laughs> remember the band Sonic Flood. And, and uh, so we changed the name Sonic Flood. It came out in 1999 on cassette and CD. <laughs> the funny thing is, Jeff, I was actually, I lived in North Dakota, and you guys had come through at Sonic Flood at that time. Yeah. And it was like 1999 or yep. the year 2000. Mm -hmm. And you guys were in Minot, North Dakota. And our youth group drove all the way up to Minot, about 70 miles away from the town that I was living in, and we went to your guys' concert. Wow. Was this the Newsboys tour, or was this an actual, I like, Sonic I believe it was Flood the thing. Newsboys yeah, tour, man, and then you go. guys were there, and Sonic I remember... Sonic Flood Newsboys. Oh, yep. man, I got that CD, that fuchsia, like, pinkish mm -hmm. CD. That's, that's the it. one I picked, and that's the one I got, and I probably still have it to this day somewhere. Gotta be Don't a have to rewind it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and in the Midwest, I think I've told you this, Jeff, I've definitely not mentioned it on the podcast, but I had... Um, about the year 2001, my uncle committed suicide. Oh, He's going into fifth grade, and my Cindy Nordstrom was my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. My Nordstrom, word. public school, Oak Ridge Elementary School, <laughs> and she found out what had happened. It was right as school was starting. Well. She said, hey, if you need anything, let me know. And by the way, here's a CD. What? My public school teacher in fifth grade gave me Sonic Flood CD. Oh and it, it touched my heart. That is crazy. Yeah. And wow. I'm sure everyone who you meet has a fun story that of is. going to a show or Man. getting a, a gift of a CD. But so many amazing stories. And, and people go, I know you get tired of hearing this. I'm like, no, I really don't. I don't because it's yes. such a blessing. I mean, that story alone is worth making the music right there. I mean, that's incredible. Right. Wow. Incredible. And Jeff, the cool thing is you even talked about it as you were explaining your story. And the fact is God usually needs to do something in us before we can do something, you know, for yes. the world around yes. us. Yeah. So God was those five years of like, oh, now I've arrived. The cool yeah. thing is we're never going to arrive. Yep. But as you kind of, you know, came out of the, the Zilch band into Sonic Flood and kind of started developing that next age and stage of life in yes. music, in you, what God was doing in you, yeah. what was it like leading Sonic Flood during that time? You know, it was it was amazing. I mean, I won't lie. It was just a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, it felt like we were kind of building the bridge as we walked on it kind of thing because there wasn't this worship thing. I mean, kind of Delirious and Sonic Flood were kind of, all of a sudden there was worship on the radio, like what in the world, you know? And and to be able to be a part of like that Newsboys tour where we did 75 cities in three months. I mean, you're talking about Crazy. six Ooh. nights a week, you know? <laughs> I mean, that means we're in every state of the United States at some point. And to be able to, to go there and have a 45 minute time where people just could get lost in the presence of God. And really, again, me not not even having a frame of reference or a grid for that prior to this. Because I grew up in the church, gave my heart to Christ when I was four. I skipped that part about the story. But uh, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was four and, and just really have grown in the Lord since that time. But I really didn't initially grow up in a church where the music was thought of as a vertical connection with God. Right. So it was more like, hey, we're singing truth. It's awesome, you know, singing some hymns. Uh, but it was more like a horizontal thing. Together, we're singing truth, which is a great thing. But I never even got the idea. It never even hit me, it dawned on me that that we were actually able to connect with God vertically while we're singing. So that's what was happening to me when I was in Sonic Flood. It was happening to me, and it was like it was happening to everybody else too, you know, because there was this connection 
you kind of thought of two different worlds. I, I always thought of church as one world and then kind of like my music and other things as a different world. Well, all of a sudden, these two worlds were colliding. We were actually creating music that we loved and actually connecting with God while we were doing it. Right. And that was like, what is happening here? This is, is this even possible? Is it even legal? You know, is it spiritual? Can you do that? Because seriously, I mean, back in those days, you know, like people would say the drums were of the devil or that, you know, electric guitars were of the devil or whatever, you know? And so it's like, wow, this was amazing, this convergence right. of God's power, his anointing relationship with him and actually enjoying the music that we were creating and doing it together with people uh, of all ages, man. I mean, that CD, it hit, it wasn't just like a young person thing. You know, everybody that I, I mean, I just kept hearing those stories. People, mom and dad would buy one for themselves and one for the kids, you know, <laughs> or one for the car, one for the house or whatever, you know, back in those days. But it was, it was, it was amazing to be a part of that for sure. And, you know, one of the things that I referenced earlier is kind of just this heart of worship and worship in and of itself is not just singing songs. It's not just words. There's so much more. But Jeff, would you tell us about worship and how does worship draw us closer to God's heart? What does worship do? Who's it for? Why yeah. do we sing? Why do we raise hands or even use different postures yep. in worship? Yeah, let's and let's do talk about worship. I want to kind of also just say, when we think of the ways, the avenues that we have to connect with God, our kind of main three that we think about are reading the word, we think about um, praying, and we think about musical worship. And I, can, I, would, I would like to add, part of prayer is like listening, just being still before the Lord, right? But you kind of have those three things. What I found is that, and we'll jump into a little bit more about worship, but I found that we typically, a lot of times we don't think of those things as relational as we should. Like, they're, to me, they're all three just gateways to one thing, and that is to having connection with God. But some people think of the Bible as, hey, memorize it so you can know the truth, so you can live the truth. I'm like, no. When we, the reason that we read the Word of God is not so we can know the Word of God. You know, I say this in the book. It's because we read the Word of God so that we can know the God of the Word. And that is a distinct difference, you know. It's only meant to be a gateway to know his heart. If we know his heart, then we will live the way we're supposed to. But it's not just meant to be a a list of do's and don'ts. It's not meant to be, oh, if you do this, it's going to be okay. If you don't do that, you're going to hell, you know. I mean, it's it's a gateway to God's heart. So the same thing then uh, with prayer. You know, people come and they pray to God, and they're like, oh, I need to give my list of requests to God. And of course, the Bible does tell us that we should do that, bring a request to God, but he knows them already, right? So, but if you only see prayer as asking God for stuff, when you get to heaven, you won't even have a, be able to have a conversation with him because you won't need anything in heaven. So now what do I talk about? Like, you've got to develop your, your conversational tone, your spiritual relationship, walk with God and talk with him and let him talk with you. That's prayer. Same thing with worship then. You get to worship and you go, oh, it's just singing songs. Wow, it feels so good. Oh, that's my favorite song. You know, you have all these ideas and, you know, oh, that, oh, it's a 20-minute experience that we have before the sermon, you know? And it's like, no, that's not what it is at all. It's meant to be, music is meant to be servant to help us connect with God relationally. Now, you can also connect with God without music, but music is a beautiful tool that does help us. It helps us springboard or launch into connection with God. But it could also be something that it's just a dead end for some people. They just enjoy the music and that's it. 
So I find that to be one of the one of the things that's most important when it comes to worship is that we need to understand that it's that relational connection that we're looking for. Let me put it this way: um, I was leading worship uh, on a stage one time at a conference with lots of people, and I felt like the Holy Spirit, he teaches me stuff while I'm leading worship. It's pretty cool. And he was like, <laughs> okay, <time>. Jeff, <laughs> you got to understand that there are people that have come into this event, and they are connecting with the music. They're connecting with the artists on the stage. They're connecting with the atmosphere. They're connecting with the lights and the sound, and they're connecting with, with their favorite song. Um, they might even be connecting with other people who are connecting with God. But then they walk out of that room believing that they have personally encountered God and they actually haven't encountered him at all. They've only encountered wow. their favorite song or, that, or the artist or whatever. And those things are great. Like music is great. People are artists. They're awesome. And it's good to connect with them. But you can walk out believing. You can go to church every week believing you've connected with God and you actually haven't. And that's like, hello, that's the point, right? Yeah. Wake us up, Lord, to the point yeah. of music yeah. is not music. It's not the production, even though I love excellence and we should do it well and all that stuff, you know? But at the end of the day, if you walk out of a service and you feel like you actually haven't connected relationally with God, then we need to fight for that. So. Yeah, that's so good. Jeff, that's a great time to kind of take a break. Hopefully you're connecting with this message. You're connecting with God as you're driving, as you're on the road, whatever you're doing right now. So we're going to take a little break right now. We have Jeff Dio here, so we're going to take a break and hopefully hear you soon. We're Micah and Josiah Keneally on youngadults.today. And if you do us a favor, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you would rate, review, and subscribe, as well as share, that will help us reach more leaders with the message of youngadults.today. Well, we're back in the studio, downtown Minneapolis. We're having a fun conversation right now today with Jeff Dio, the author of the book, Awakening Pure Worship. And you can find out more about Jeff Dio at jeffdio.com. And Micah and I actually both recently read your book, Jeff, Awakening Pure Worship. And I gotta be honest, I almost didn't read it. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. That forgive is me in advance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> forgive me in advance for saying oh, such word. a thing. But I, I've only led worship like twice in my life. Oh, sure. So I'm not really what you'd call a worship leader. My voice isn't trained with lessons, and my ear is not always in tune. But I, what I realized is the subtitle is becoming a friend of God or yeah. growing in int intimacy and friendship with God. And I realized in our conversations over the years, that's everything I've wanted to ask you about is yeah. how do I draw closer to God? How do I enter God's throne room quicker, deeper, more powerfully? How do I experience all that God has for me? So I'll just say that of you might even wonder why is Jeff on this podcast today as a worship leader? Well, the heart of this message that we're about to get into is so important, not just for a worship leader, yeah. not just for a music pastor or a choir director. This is vital and important to a follower of Jesus, That's right. a friend yeah. of God. Yeah, I, I even hesitated to put the word worship in the title because we have this misunderstanding of what that wor word is, right? We think it's that 20 minutes before the sermon or something, but this this book really is, this heart, it's straight out of the scriptures, and it really is the desire of every person. It should be the desire of every person, not so much to, to, to worship musically, even though that's a that's a part of worship, but to actually develop that relationship with God. So yeah, it's it's so huge. It's so huge. 
It's powerful. And Jeff, <clears throat> with this material, we believe that God's given you a unique vantage point as a leader in today's generation and demographic, being a, um, teaching and influencing the young worship leaders of America at North Central University, also touring internationally for a couple decades, actually, with yep. Sonic Flood and just as an in- independent artist. Um, what are some of the things that you're seeing among young leaders in ministry, maybe among young adults themselves that you could, from your vantage point, let us in on? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things, and this this is for young people, but I think adult, uh, older adults as well struggle with this, is we, we, we wrestle with um, the idea of what's the number one point of life, you know? Uh, there's a lot of doing going on out here, and there's so much stuff in life that we've got to do, and dreams, and what's your goal? Dream your biggest dream, you know? And uh, you can, anything you can, you want to do, you can YouTube it and figure out how to do it, and just so much of that going on. Uh, I think we got to back up a little bit. Uh, sometimes I, I feel like we misunderstand even the purpose of the cross uh, when it comes to our, our walk with God. We, we have this idea that the idea of the cross is to be forgiven. And like, wow, God, Jesus came, and it's amazing, and he forgave us, and wow, now, now we're forgiven, and wow, we get to go to heaven. And that just really only scratches the surface as to what the whole thing is about. You know, we miss, I, I like to say it this way, guys, like, and, and, and you have to kind of freak people out just a little bit, you know, so that, <laughs> so that you can get them thinking, yeah. right? But I'll say it this way, guys, Jesus didn't die for your sins, and then pause and wait. <laughs> You're like, what? what do if you, you could mean? throw something at me, you would right now. No, but Jesus didn't die for your sins. Jesus died to, so that you could be reconciled with the Father and your sins were standing in the way. There's a whole generation of people out there that actually believe that the idea of, of Christianity is to be forgiven or cleansed or then to live a holy life or something. The whole point of it is Jesus made a way where there was no way. That's right. Right? Yes. I mean, we know, we, you, you can even look at Scripture, John 14, 6, very popular verse. I thought that verse was about Jesus. And everybody out there who knows that verse is going, what? Of course it's about Jesus. No. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is saying this, right? But then what's the second half of the verse say? There's a purpose behind why Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It says no one comes to the Father. Now, that's the point of life. The point of life is to come to the Father. It's right there in the verse, but I missed it. I missed it. You know, the point of life, can I say it clearly? The point of life is to come to the Father, and there was no way, so Jesus came and made a way. The point of life is not to share your faith. Now, that's an important thing we should do. The point of life is not to help the poor. That's an important thing, and we should do it, but the point of life starts the number one thing thing is to come to the Father through Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think that's something that we really miss uh, when we are in ministry. Jeff, that's so good. And that kind of reminds me, you had said probably within the first 20 pages of your book, when I started reading it, what captured my heart and just, I don't know, just almost caught me off guard, but you were being so transparent and so real in this moment. And you were discussing just the fact that when you were on stage and you were performing or you're bringing music to this audience and they weren't worshiping you they were looking up and worshiping god but there was something in your heart that had to die and that was you're not looking to you should be worshiping me like i'm bringing the music i'm bringing the presence of god but there was something that god had spoken to you or how he like changed your heart in that moment and you recognize this is not about 
yeah. me yeah. being able to play on stage and bring and provide yes. an opportunity for people to experience the presence of God or yeah. an encounter with God. Yeah. It's not about me, it's about God. Yes. And I think sometimes even as a leader, I think I found myself there God has corrected me, Mike, are you building your kingdom or my kingdom? Yes, exactly. Who's seated on the throne of your heart? That's one of the lyrics that you guys have, North Central yes, University, yes. one of my favorite songs. Yes. And that's kind of a theme. It's like, who's seated on the throne of my heart? Who's seated on the throne of my heart? Is it something? Is it someone? Yes. Is it a project? Is it a house? Is it a dream, a desire? Yep. Period. It should be Jesus Christ himself. That's the right. The end. Yep. But how do I constantly surrender that? So if there, there's people listening right now, there might be leaders who maybe not even recognizing that yep. they have misread the interpretation of the cross or even yes. the verse in John. What would you say um, is something on your heart that you could tell young adult leaders today yeah. um, who may be wrestling where I've been, where you've clearly been in the word of God yeah. or on stage, and Josiah's probably been there. We've all had something, right? This summer, 2019, yep. this is like the anthem of my life is yeah. who's getting the glory? Is it Josiah? Is it me? Or is it God? It, it, what's my life all about? Is it about me or is yes. it about God? Who's Who, who am I excited about? Yep. When is it, Am I excited when God makes much of me? Or is it when I get to make much of God? Yes. And so I'm with Micah 100%. I'm with you, and I'm excited yeah. for your answer to this yeah. question. <laughs> I tell you, it's, it's so important. It's a pivotal thing for every leader. This is so important because we are missing the point, again, when it comes to what God has designed us for. I was I was actually out jogging with my wife. We run together some. And, Racing. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and I just remember saying something like, you know what? I sometimes think we even don't understand the point of evangelism. Mm -hmm. Like we go, if, if we can get people to evangelize, which is another story in all of itself, but, but if we go out and evangelize and we share the gospel, it's almost as if we have this mentality that if we share the gospel, then we tell the people the reason they're getting saved is that so they can go out and share the gospel and so that they can get more people saved so they can go out and share the gospel. And they miss the point of being saved. The point of being saved is knowing the Father. Yes. It's being with him. Yes. It's, 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 it's living together with him. Now, do we get to do stuff? The way that I phrase it in the book is we talk about the difference between doing and being. And that, you know, you, you may have heard people say this before, but, but we are not human doings. Right. We are human beings. But so much, oh gosh, young people, listen, please listen. Old people, listen. <laughs> like we get that it flipped around backwards. We are so, we believe that if we could do something great, then we'll be recognized as someone great. Right. Wow. But that is the opposite of what God has designed in his word. He already says that you are great. Mm -hmm. He, you are a son. You are a daughter. You are one with the Father. You are together with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. He declares that you are a child of the King. And out of that relationship with who you are, mm -hmm. who you've become, who you are becoming, the being then you will do great exploits. You will do all the things that God has planned. But you're, so many people are trying to bolster their identity based on what they've done. And they've forsaken their being for their doing. And it's, it's a temptation for all of us. I mean, I tr trust me, I am there. The reason I wrote this book is not me preaching to everyone else. It's me preaching to myself. Right. I am a doer. I, I want to go out there. I want to do it. I got podcasts. I got books. I got teaching. I got, I'm, I'm out there traveling. I'm singing. I'm speaking. I mean, all those are doing, right? 
But God has called me to be with him. And it's so easy for me to forsake that mm -hmm. being, that connection with him. I'll give you one more scripture about this too. Matthew 7 is a warning uh, for us. Matthew 7, 22, 23, it says, Jesus is talking here and he says, you know, he says, there are people who will prophesy in my name, cast out demons in my name, and do miracles in my name, but I will say to them, depart from me, I do not know you. Now, how is it that you could spend your whole life doing ministry and still be rejected by Jesus? This is a warning from Jesus himself telling us that it is possible to be a pastor or a leader in a Christian organization all of your life and still not spend eternity with God because we've put doing before being. You know, Mike and I just watched uh, a movie that's a little bit cheesy and, and kind of <laughs> funny, but it's, it's left behind. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. And, Let's go. And um, there's the new one with um, Nicolas Cage and mm -hmm. different a different cast than a, the original Buck Williams, which was Kirk Cameron. But I've seen <laughs> yes. them all. Oh, man. And I'm, I'm not, it's, it's one artist's interpretation of what the end times, sure. the eschaton could look like. I'm not necessarily saying, like, this is what it will look like. But I love how the producer or the writer of the script portrayed it of one of the main primary characters in the movie is a pastor of a church yeah. who did yes. ministry. He did preach. And there's this moment in the movie where this daughter who her mom got taken in the rapture and yep. her dad's left behind, and she goes to the church because she knew her mom had a Bible. She knew her mom yeah. knew Jesus and was a friend of God. Yeah. But there was the pastor there, and she didn't trust him because she's like, well, why did you get left behind? Right, right. And, and I know that's a shocking, but it's right in line with what you're saying of we can do all the right things, but the most important thing to do is to be. Yeah. And don't let this, don't guys, don't let this be, oh, well, that's somebody else. You have to allow yourself to do a self-evaluation in this moment because it is one thing to know all about God. A lot of people know about God. If you don't know him personally, if the only time you study the Bible is to prepare for your sermon, there's a, there's a problem. It's a danger zone. Yeah. Right. I've even made a rule for myself, and I've broken it a few times, but most of the time I don't, where if I have a song that I'm preparing for leading at worship at Celebration Church, my home church, I will not use that song as my personal time with God to learn the lyrics while I'm worshiping, like kind of double dipping. No double dipping. There, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Oh, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing for worship leaders. You can go, oh, well, I'll worship God while I learn the song, you know? I mean, you could. I, I get it. But, man, don't do that because you want to develop that real relationship with the Lord. So good. Amazing. I love that you said doing something great doesn't make you someone great. That's right. It's knowing someone great. Yes. And it's Jesus, on, the one man. who empowers us to do great things. Yes. And Jeff, one other thing that you say in the book is you make this um, distinction, and I talked to one of my best friends, Brent Silkey, about this, of omnipresence yeah. compared to manifest presence. And if it's okay, I'd love for you to teach us and talk about the difference between the two and why is that important? Yeah, it's so it's so huge because I remember, you know, I grew up in a more conservative uh, church background where this idea of God's manifest presence, which manifests, 
the manifest presence is really where God could show up. You know, we talk about, we use these terms, right? Mm-hmm. God showed up. God I felt fell. Him. Yeah, I, I felt, felt him. His presence yeah. fell. Or, you know, he moved. What do you mean he moved? From I here had to the here, goosebumps. You know? <laughs> right, right. All that stuff. But there is a manifest presence. The Bible describes he could actually move into the temple. The Bible said he, the presence of God came into the temple or it moved out or the cloud, the presence of God was so powerful, the priests couldn't do their ministry. I mean, there's all that. So, and then there's also the omnipresence of God, which is he's always there, always present. Well, what's so funny is that we typically choose one or the other, depending on the way that we were raised. I was raised more with the omnipresence thing, meaning that he's always here. Why do I need to ask him? I would get so offended when people would welcome the Holy Spirit. I'm like, come on, bro. You don't have to welcome <laughs> the Holy Spirit. He's like already here. But it's a both and. It's not an either so or. Good. So welcoming the Holy Spirit is more about saying, hey, we're not pushing you out. And then it is about actually inviting him, like he like he has to sit outside and wait for us to welcome him, right? He can do whatever he wants. We right. understand that. And he's always present, but it's important for, for us to understand that there's a difference. Like, and, and really what this drives me to be thinking about, a lot of times I see people in worship gatherings, and it's almost like we're begging God. Like if we sing loud enough, he'll show up. Yeah, if, if we sing, sing louder, long he'll enough, show up loud faster. enough, if I cry, he'll, he'll show up. And you know what? I, again, there, there are some of these things. Like I, I do think that sometimes the Lord will, will say, are you, are you guys really serious? Like, do you really want me? Or are you just singing your favorite song? Yes, I get that. Mm-hmm. But the bigger question to me is not will God show up. I have faith that God's going to do what he needs to do. Like, I'm not worried about him not fulfilling his end of the bargain, right? right? But I'm worried, more worried about me not fulfilling my end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. The question is, is not is, is he going to show up, but is am I going to show up in the service? You know, I can be in the room with you two right now. We are physically in each other's presence. But if I was sitting here reading a book and you guys were thinking about something else or whatever, we would be in each other's physical presence, but not necessarily relational presence. Right. So you can sit in a church. Just because you're in a church doesn't mean you're in God's relational presence. You have to engage with him. That's so good. I think a lot of it also has to do with the condition of our heart in yeah. that process of where is my heart? What What am I truly you know, yes. believing in and what am I, am I bowing down to the presence of God and am I inviting the Holy Spirit to come in and intervene? Yeah. Well, and there's there's also a, there's a couple of verses real quick just to give you reference. It, when you look at the Bible, what what our role is, and a lot of times we are we are again begging God to come. But if you looked at Ephesians three twelve and Hebrews four sixteen, both those verses show what the role is. It says. God invites us to come boldly before yep. his throne. Yeah. So, so that's us. Like, he's there. He's ready. We don't have to worry about him being ready. He's saying, come boldly before my throne, and then I'll meet you there. So he's inviting us, and we're, we're our role is to respond to that invitation. That's so good. So if someone is discouraged, maybe as a leader, and maybe they've never been truly boldly entering the presence of God, and they haven't been taught that. Maybe yep. maybe in the church it wasn't something they did, but now they're in this leadership role. Um, where can they start to enter God's presence if maybe they've never been there before? Yeah. You know, I mean, again, this is about relationships, so it's learning how to be with God and, and understanding those three things we said at the beginning, that the word, the, that prayer, that musical worship is all a 
gateway to get into the presence of God, to come to him relationally. But it's honestly, and everyone knows this, but it's so, it's just like me hanging out with you guys. I mean, right. uh, and it's me hanging out with my wife, you know, it's like you can be in the, in the same room and there is, there is a crisis of being in our human relationships. You know, you can go out on a date and sit side by side and watch a screen. And that's, I mean, it's fun. And I'm Martha and I do that too. Mm-hmm. But that's not building relationships. Sitting across from each other at a table, both of us on our phones, that's not building relationship. Right. Come on, somebody. I mean, we know this is a real issue. Phones in the middle but of the table. But putting the phones down, yeah. at least face down, if not in you know, a way, but actually engaging with each other. We are struggling with that. And so you've got to step, you've got to put everything aside. That's why we, we don't say don't double dip because we're trying to be legalistic. We're saying because we're trying to help you engage. Right. And if you're thinking about a lot of other things, it's hard to let go and actually connect with God mm-hmm. himself, mm-hmm. the person of God who loves you deeply. And that's what we're after. We're after that. I think one other thing that will help you is shifting your mentality from obligation to invitation. Talk Good. about this in the book. It's yeah. a very simple concept, but if you can move from I have to spend time with God to I get to spend time with God, I ha- instead of I have to read my Bible, that I get to read my Bible, like it's a privilege. If right. you can change that mentality, it will help you in every area of your relationship with God. That's so good. And, you know, Jeff, I think that that's definitely one group of people is, is maybe discouraged leaders, and, and that's the encouragement that they need. I think maybe another group is people who've been in the throne room before many times, but they're wanting to deepen that friendship, deepen that relationship, and go further than they've ever gone. They want to pray like they've never prayed Mm -hmm. because it is a a delight. It is a desire. It is an invitation. They want to read like they've never read. They want to, they want to have a intimacy with God that's just started, but it's, it's never been where they're, they're not content because there's this holy discontent. What would you say to them right there? Honestly, a big part of this is stripping off some things in your life. You know, uh, Hebrews tells us that we should run the race, but strip off all those things that that keep us, that, that hinder us. It says the sin. So, so, yeah, we understand sin, but it also talks about that there are other things besides sin that keep us burdened or weighted down or that keep us, uh, they keep, it keeps a barrier between us and God. So many times, guys, we are so satisfied and fulfilled temporarily in all the things of this earth that we really don't feel the need to be satisfied in God. And so sometimes what you need to do is strip off all of those simple little pleasures. You, you go from one food experience to the next or one movie to the next or one, you know, uh, podcast to the next. Or you're, you're always trying to, you know, constantly we're back to the doing, right? Right. But strip out some of those things. Make some space in your life um, so that you actually have a longing for mm. God. We've actually covered up our longing for God by longing for the things of this earth. And we almost don't even remember what it's like to long for God. You look at Psalm 63 and, and how David says, I long for you. And we're like, I think I can re- resound with that. I want to resound with that. But go back, read Psalm 63 and go, okay, I really want to, to long for God again. And then 
ask him, like, Lord, help me long for you and start stripping some things away to make space for God in your life. I think that's so good. I think one thing that I had to do um, when I did ask, Lord, strip me of everything. And it's literally he stripped me, stripped me of every title, every job that I was working at, really wow. got down to my character. And then I had to invite, you know, God to heal and to restore any yes. hurts, hurdles, hangups, yes. um, anything that I've placed before him. Yes. And that is a humbling moment, but there are you will never regret it. When God yeah. puts you in that fire and starts, you know, stripping away all those impurities, you come out pure on the other yes. side. You come out knowing him more and you that hunger is increased because Apart from him, you can do nothing, yes, right? Yes. And once you start realizing that, understanding that, like God is not a crutch that we use. Yeah. He is someone we look to every single day. Yes. And we get to know him more. And Jeff, this is the time where we get to know you more. <laughs> and we've come to five in five. So we have five All minutes right. left. There are going to be five questions, so you have a l no more than 60 seconds. I know you love to teach and preach, and man, you're yeah, passionate. He's got to go quick. <laughs> He's gotta go quick. Here. <laughs> so we're going to start with the number one question. What has surprised you about college students and young adults and the next generation the most? I don't know if it su surprised me as much, but the thing that I love about this next generation young people is that they're so passionate and ready to go. I mean, and then another part of that is just that they don't care who they're doing it with. Like this idea of you're different than me or you're a different color than me or you weren't raised like me. Who cares about any of that stuff? So I love the fact that, you know, diversity has become a big thing. Like like me, or it's, it's become not a big thing in a sense that nobody right. cares. Let's go together. I don't care what your background is. We're just going to do this together. So I love that. Ooh, that's fun. And Jeff, you've led worship, so you can go, you've spoken. What, what's maybe one of your favorite events that you've ever done and why? Yeah, um, probably the most favorite event, and I've done a lot of really great ones. I mean, but one of the most favorites is Bogota, Colombia. I'm over there, and there's 30,000 young people at a youth conference, and I'm wow. leading Bless the Lord, one of my songs from back in the day, in Spanish. And these people, then I back off the microphone and everyone is singing, bless the Lord in Spanish. And I'm just down on my face. I mean, it's just powerful. Oh, God, so God is good. moving, touching. And I mean, you, when you when you sing, do worship in another language than, than what you're normally used to, it just increases the how your understanding of how big God is. That is awesome. So Jeff, in addition to that, what is your favorite story of life change? Man, there's so many good ones. Um, one that, that comes to mind is a friend of mine, uh, Clifton. Uh, I, he heard me preach on the book, and when I said, and I, we didn't even say it on this podcast, but when I said that worship is not for God, which is just blows people's minds. Like, oh, worship is not for God. It's to God. It's for God. Or it's, it's to God. It's, it's uh, about God, but it's for us. He said, that changed my life. Wow. He said, because I realized that God actually made, we exalt God. He's exalted when we worship and we're transformed. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I would say it. So it, it, when you worship God, it changes you and that changed his life. And if you don't worship God, then you remain unchanged. And it's you that's hurting yourself by not doing that. So it, it changed his life, his perspective on hearing that. It's amazing. It's transformational content. And we hope that everyone feels that way. And <clears throat> Jeff, sometimes we learn from our successes, 
And other times we learn from our failures and we hope that we can be this bold to ask you this question, but yeah. would you be willing to share a failure that you've had maybe even in the realm of ministry? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing that comes to mind is I just really, really struggled. I mean, one of the things over the last 15, 20 years, I came to a point in my ministry where I was really struggling with being an encourager. Uh, I pushed some band members away from my past uh, ministries uh, that because I was just so intense and so hardcore and I wasn't encouraging them. I, I would lean more toward, like, say we played a, a show and, and uh, they made two mistakes. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, zeroed in on those two mistakes. You guys are professionals. What's wrong with you? Don't make those mistakes, you know, as opposed to the 98% that was amazing and encouraging. So I learned that the hard way, and I've been on this journey in the last 15, 20 years to become an encourager. And for those of you out there who this is not your natural thing, step into it by faith, and God will help you. I've become an encourager. It's a good thing. Fantastic. Jeff, this is our very last question for you. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with? You know, I would say this. I, I have this personal prayer that I pray, and I would encourage you to pray this as well. I say, Lord, if I fail at everything else, which of course I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail at being a professor. I don't want to fail at being a worship team coach. I don't want to fail at being a podcaster or an author, any of those things. I really want to succeed with that. But I pray this out loud to the Lord. I say, Lord, if I fail at all of those things, at being a husband, at being a father, let me not fail at being close with you. And what, of course, the irony of that is, if I don't fail at being close with God, I'm not going to fail at those other things, at least in the way that God would yes. have me. doesn't mean I'm going to be popular, successful, or in, in the way the world defines it. But if I don't fail at those things, I will be a better father, be a better husband, all those things. That's perfect. That is amazing. And you stayed within the time of five and five. Woo, nice job. Baby, yeah. <laughs> Come on. High fives. But, Jeff, thank you so much for a great fantastic conversation today. Thanks for your friendship and thanks for joining yes, us. Yes. Um, you can find out more about Jeff Dio, Awakening Pure Worship uh, and North, North Central University when you connect with Anna, when you connect with us on our website, youngadults.today, as well as our social media across all platforms is youngadults.today. So until next time, this is Josiah and Micah Keneally signing off with Jeff Dio.